Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com/easy. ramp.com/easy. r a m p.com/easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hello, folks. Welcome to Inclusive Collective, uh, where we share stories and learnings of inclusive people, organizations, and innovation. I am your co-host, Nadia Butt. I am an organizational development and belonging strategist, and I am joined by Rob Hadley, a people and culture strategist specializing in DEI and people analytics. Hello, Rob. How are you this week? Nadia, I am better now. That's for sure. Oh, why? How are you Cause, doing? Because we're chatting. Because we're doing, yeah. It's always this is it, right? Yeah, it's, totally. It's the big show. Love it. Um, Nadia, do you, first first of all, you like my sweatshirt, right? We're, you were we're, in the we're showing off the inclusive collective. Did you see this? The merch, yeah, inclusive collective podcast. Yeah. So how many merch. thousands? So we're, we're we're changing our branding up a little bit. How much of of these? How many of these did you print up? Thousands? Are they sitting in a warehouse <laughs> no, somewhere? Not thousands. Not even. No? Not even hundreds. No, they're not sitting. Not hundreds. In, Good. They're not sitting in a warehouse, but I do have multiple mugs. <laughs> multiple mugs. Okay. So anyone wants a mug, reach out to Nadia. Let me know. I can mail you one because I have multiple of the old logo. Okay. Okay. Good. No, I think that, you know, I think everyone in my family will be getting one for the holidays or yes. for, for birthdays going forward. Totally. Right? Totally. But I do love um, the new logo. Don't you love the new look? I do, I do. It'll take some getting used to, right? Yeah. Like, I like the t- cartoon version of of myself. I right? know. Like, you know, like an actual picture, but yeah. but that's fine. Um, but, but yeah, no, thanks. So I'm I'm looking forward to sharing those mugs with everyone. I did, Nadia. Um, we've had a lot of different types of guests on the show. Yes. Right, like yeah. over the last, you know, one thousand episodes or however many we've done. They, you know, obviously in fa- in season one, <laughs> yeah, you know, it was all about. DE&I in startups and venture capital. So we had a ton of founders, so people that uh, were either building inclusive products or founders that were underrepresented in their industries. Then, of course, we had the investors on that were funding those founders. And then we've also had a lot of DE&I thought leaders, academics, consultants, coaches, folks of that ilk. And then mm-hmm. we've also had leaders of organizations that may not fit any of those categories, so CHROs or, or some of those, those guests. Yeah. Yeah. So 
tell me, yeah. what are your favorite types of guests? And oh. are there any types of guests that you think uh, you'd like to hear more from? That is such an interesting question. I'm not going to say who my favorite are because all of them are. I'm like well, my mom. All of them are my favorite. Yeah. Um, of course. So I personally, I think this goes back to like how you and I kind of do research. Like I really love hearing about sentiments and the lived experiences from people. Okay. And whether it's someone who's trying something new and maybe like failed and, you know, took the, that failure as learnings to like reestablish themselves, you know, for a company or like to launch something or saw a gap in their community. I love mm -hmm. that, um, that type of story. I love the innovative side of it. I love being able to bring um, you and I are kind of like these lean continuous improvement nerds. I love like mm -hmm. this aspect of continuously improving from a DEI lens, and that incorporates like innovation, iteration, iteration. Yeah. totally PDCA, right? Like the plan, do check, adjust. So I, I you know bringing back all these things, these words, but um, that's <laughs> like just, yeah. <laughs> that's my I just blacked I, out. Yeah, <laughs> Rob faith it. That's kind of my jam. Like, I really appreciate people just sharing their stories. Um, and then I yeah. love, of, of course, like the data that goes with that to understand, like, are we closing gaps on inequities or disparities? What about you? Right. Yeah, I miss founders. I think you were describing like, so we've, we've I was looking at our shows and we had so many founders early on yeah. building awesome products, some in the HR space. Yeah. Uh, so I want to, I'm looking forward to to meeting some more founders and the fun part with founders, right, is that we can actually talk about their products. I know that you're, you're still you're, you're yeah. still a consumer of some of the products totally. that we've had. Skincare totally. from yeah. Fresh Chemistry. Yeah, I'm, a, Nisha. I'm a subscriber to uh, Mika Cooper Edwards uh, streaming site. It's a little space. So yeah. I actually get to like learn about new products and, and become customers. Totally. Well. And actually, I just read an article that Humanly, um, our friend Preem and Andrew, who came on in the mm -hmm. first season, they always do really great tips and best practices on like how to recruit from, a, you know, how to mitigate bias in the recruiting process or like interviewing questions. And I just read a really great article that they posted. So, yeah, totally. Like Amazing. we leverage a lot of Let's these. share that. I love that. Yeah, we should. We'll tag. We'll make sure we tag yeah. that. And if our listeners, if anyone listening has an idea for a guest, let us know. If you, if one of our listeners thinks that they'd be a great guest, let us know. Totally. Inclusive Collective at Rafilion.com. Nadia, What's up? let's get to our stories of the week. I think let's they call it. them the deets, right? They call them the deets. That's what they call them. That's what they call them. <laughs> <laughs> We're right. on fire so today, this Rob. This, this one's tough, all right? Yeah, so yeah. I'm going to summarize some of the nonsense in this particular story. Okay. Um, so last week, the Wall Street Journal published an opinion piece by Andy Kessler Boo. about the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. <laughs> Kessler writes, for those that aren't familiar, that in its proxy statement, SVB notes that besides 91% of their board being independent and 45% women, they also have one black, one LGBTQ+, and two veterans. I'm not saying the 12 white men would have avoided this mess, but the company may have been distracted by diversity demands. Oh, boy. So, Nadia, I'm going to let you react. When I first read it, I thought it was so blatantly white supremacist uh -huh. that I had to reread it yeah. I, for satire. I thought I may have stumbled on some sort of alt-right version of The Onion. And I was like, <laughs> wait, wait, where am I? Yeah, yeah, what's happening? And so, uh, what, what were your thoughts? My 
I'll tell you, I actually, it was so, I was actually traveling for work when this news story hit kind of the, the, the webs. Um, yep. And my sister sent it to me and her, like our, my immediate reaction was like, oh my God, Rob is losing his shit right now. <laughs> like Rob, Rob is right. probably going to lose his shit. He's reacting. And I read, I took it in and I read some of the comments around it. And my immediate reaction was like, okay, SVB's collapse was like, what, the second largest failure in all of U.S. history, right? Article, the editorial uh, by Kessler, like, it's a super damaging argument to make that, like, making U.S. workplaces and society more inclusive for, like, historically marginalized groups of people is detrimental to the economic growth like that to me doesn't even make sense i am certain because we've talked no about that didn't make sense to you <laughs> it didn't, no it didn't make sense no, okay. it was false well, can, fake yeah, news go on but i am certain that because we've talked about it and we've mentioned that there is data around the success of having di you know diversity especially in tech and especially in the startup ecosystem Right. And so we know that these studies of increasing diversity across organization, organizational, particularly in leadership, results in better performance, better outcomes and better growth, more growth. Right. Right. There like this is you can't argue that. And so this insinuation is so insulting to every, it should be insulting to every single person. Um, it's garbage. And honestly, in, in my humble opinion, I think Wall Street Journal and Kessler should do better and be better. So, Nadia, I'm going to back you up on on that, right? Yeah. So, and you're and you're right. I I was a little bit perturbed by by the uh, by the editorial. Now, the one thing I would say on your last point there is that a lot of people were horrified mm -hmm. at at this editorial, and they were they were surprised that they would print it. But those people are the people that don't regularly read the wall street journal they've yeah. been on this beat for a really long time now right so you know let me let me also back up some of the things you talked about with regard to boards and governance and uh -huh. some of the data there so you, so you might be surprised to learn nadia that this is not the first bank to have failed other banks have failed in the history of the united states yeah yeah right yeah <laughs> so and uh in fact in the 1930s over 9,000 banks failed in the u.s now, I did no research on this, Nadia. I'm pretty sure they were all, all white-led. Every, every one of those 9,000 banks had boards of 12 white men. Like, give so, me a break. So bank failure is not correlated to how many white men you have on your board or lack of bank fail failures, yeah. right? And yeah. so because it's Women's Month, I'll also point to a 2019 study by the Federal Reserve on bank board diversity, so specific to banks. Yep. And that study found the bank performance improved once gender diversity reached a critical mass. So having a single woman on a board led to no gains in performance. But once you had more, uh, you know, so more than one, that led to better performance. Performance that was statistically significantly better than others. And there have been numerous studies, as you mentioned, on the benefits of gender and racial diversity in boards. Right. Can I also just point out, like, in that little piece that I read, uh, the implication that having veterans on the board was a distraction as well having That's, what that Say was that interesting again? Better what? veterans oh veterans veterans yeah 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 because you know you how don't want a veteran a around in a stressful situation i right? know like, like they, how is that they, a distraction? they fall apart right gosh i swear <laughs> um and i think you know i think that you and i took away the same thing i think that uh, so not only so you know later in the week across fox news in their show they were pushing this idea 
that SVB had donated more than $75 million to Black Lives Matter. Do you want to know what the actual number yeah, was? Tell me. Tell me. Yeah, tell me. It was zero. It was zero, right? They, so, so across those news platforms. And so I think that the thing that I'm most worried about, and we talked about this a couple other times in a couple other situations, the lack of serious from our institutions. Mm -hmm. And the Wall Street Journal, for whatever it's worth, it's, it is an institution, right? It's part of the media. It's part of a big, big chunk of the media. Yeah. And this has never been printed. And not only that, across the right, governors, senators, they all found a way this week, this past week to contort their logic to insidiously tie the collapse of SVB, yep. the bank, to DE&I. And so that's what about, is, 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 is really starting to it's frustrating, uh, get right? under my skin. Yeah, because it's the, it goes back to this like anti-woke movement, right? And this, I'm telling you, this is going to be really key factors in the election coming up in 2024, for, for sure. I mean, just we hear Ronnie D talks about it all the time. We're going to probably talk about Florida in a minute. <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. And, you know, and here's the other thing. It's a, it was an editorial piece, and this is where I struggle, and we'll, we'll get into this a little bit later, is, like, this idea of, like, freedom of speech and having opinions and being able to share that, and, like, are they true facts? Are they, are they, is this factual information? And, like, that's where I have a problem. Mm -hmm. so if you're not even delivering factual information, you're making an opinion we all know it's false. We all know it's wrong. Um, and then Wall Street Journal has kind of historically been, what's the word I'm looking for, white supremacy. <laughs> I don't want to say white supremacy, but they've definitely been historically marginalizing towards um, communities. Yeah. So I just want to say one more thing on this, Nadia, is that I also feel like we're being baited here because, as you know, as you just referenced, there's no good faith argument here. There's no, no one, no one believes this. Mm -mm. Uh, I saw a number of responses online in other forums that really took the bait. One article countered by saying that white men must be awful managers because they can't handle running the bank and diversity, equity, inclusion at the same time. And that feels unproductive, right? Remember the whole point of this coordinated effort is to get people to feel that diversity is important, yep. which is the large majority of people, I would say, to say something that they can point to as being unreasonable. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it ha we have to be somewhat dismissive of these things and counter with facts and also be productive in, in the way that we counter Absolutely. things like this. Yeah, I agree. All right. So a lot of talk on the Wall Street Journal there. Nadia, let's take a break. And when we come back, you and I are going back to school. <laughs> Stay with us. All right. Welcome back to Inclusive Collective. Nadia, we got three more stories to talk about. And in honor of March Madness, as I said, we're going back to school. Oh, yeah. Three things all about things happening on college campuses, although one of them would never actually be in, in March Madness in the basketball tournament. But, yeah. And then, and then of course, you had reminded me, you're in school all the time. Yes. So, uh, so you're, there's no such thing as back to school for you. Not but right now. Please, what, what, what do we got? Yeah, what do we got next? Let's go ahead. So New York Times reported that students at Wellesley College here in Massachusetts, supported a non-binding referendum last week that calls for opening admission to all non-binary and transgender applicants, including trans men. Just mm -hmm. a fun fact here, currently the college allows admission to anyone who lives and consistently identifies as a woman. 
this was a polarizing debate on campus, Rob. Um, some opposing mm. that the college's mission is to educate women, uh, women and others advocating that the college is a place for women who will make a difference in the world. So um, this referendum also called for making the college's communications more gender inclusive, meaning like students versus women. So like saying using like the the terms and like inclusive sure. language, like using students as opposed to just saying women. Um, I'm with you. What are your thoughts here? <laughs> <laughs> I would. Yeah, I'll, I'll pass on this one. Okay. No, I think I, I read the article. The article is in the New York Times, which, as you know, Nadia, in no way over reports on transgender issues. Yeah, they, they do. A, they do a phenomenal job of reporting on transgender issues. Rob's and I sarcasm, try to keep an open mind. Loving it. I try to keep an open mind on these things with regard to the administration's position mm -hmm. and that they wanted to keep the student body to those that identify as women. I was like, OK, let me think this through. Let me go through the article. Yeah. By the end of the article, there's this quote from the student body president, Ale Alexandra Brooks, who says that trans men go to Wellesley and they always have. And to me, that made a ton of sense. And I was like, okay, from the perspective of people have always been, there's always been trans men on campus mm -hmm. and they just haven't necessarily been able to live out their full identity yeah. in, in the way that they, they are being asked or asking that they can do so now. Right. right. And so to me, that, that I can see why the, the students feel so strongly there. And, uh, you know, it was, it's a case of institutions and organizations. We work so hard to put people into boxes. Yeah. And I think that those boxes are starting to dissolve. Whatever, whatever a box does, it come fold in on itself. I don't know what a box does. And I think that's okay. And I think that um, I think I'm, I'm more with the students on this one and, mm -hmm. and, uh, I don't, I don't know if it'll lead to any changes, but I can see, I can see their argument pretty clearly. Yeah. Same here. Oh, look at your legal uh, side coming out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll, I think, I think we'll just kind of keep tabs on this to see what plays out. Let's go on to the Did next. Did you have one. any thoughts on it, Nadia? No, <laughs> I really didn't. <laughs> I just wanted to share the story. Um, no, I agree with you. I think that I side with the students on this one, and I'm really curious to see what does play, pan out and what this could mean for other women universities and colleges across the globe. Mm. Um, right. So we'll, we'll see. Let's move on to the next deep. So Amy Wax is a law professor at the mm. University of Pennsylvania. Um, My alma mater. I was just going to say your alma mater. I feel like we talked we a lot go. about your alma mater, by the way. Oh, oh, so leaders. she is a tenured professor and she has um, recently or actually in the past few years publicly made statements in class to students and colleagues that and I'm quoting here on average blacks have lower cognitive ability than whites that the country is better off with fewer Asians as long as they tend to vote for Democrats and that non-Western people feel a tremendous amount of resentment and shame. So. She has denied saying anything belittling or racist to students and her. Did she deny saying those particular things? Yeah, she denies. I don't know about those particular things, but she just denies that she's saying anything discriminative um, or racist. Okay. And oh, um, maybe she doesn't see the overlap. Yeah. Well, yeah, she might not. <laughs> her supporters see her as a truth teller about affirmative action, immigration and race. 
um, and they agree with her, with her argument that she's a target for censorship and wokeism because of her conservative views. So I'll go first here. The, so I think this continues to bring light to this like intersection, dare I say the word intersection before someone like stabs me, but it brings light to the intersection of academic freedom, free speech, cancel culture, etc. Um, you mm-hmm. know, we've had these conversations before on our podcast. And the the more I learn about like these types of cases, specifically in higher ed and in the classroom, the more I feel like that it's actually not, it's very nuanced. I think it's not a clear cut answer. So this professor, Amy Wax, she's accused of making intentional, racist, sexist, xenophobic, homophobic actions and statements. She's continuously denied them. Um, She spreads, according to some of the students, she spreads disproven racial and ethnic stereotypes and gaslights many of her students. Mm -hmm. It's really enough to kind of make you cringe, especially when this happens in a a school setting when to many of us, you know, I'm a student now, to many of us, like the classroom is supposed to be a safe place for us to like have discourse to think about new innovative ideas, to kind of challenge each mm-hmm. other. I think the idea here is like, of course, she has no professor has any right to discriminate colleagues and students, right? Like saying affirmative action leads to the admission. She like this is kind of what she has like said is that affirmative action leads to the admission of unqualified students to one. Like, so saying that is one thing, but telling like a specific student that they're there and that they're unqualified because they're there. I think that's Mm. like, you can't make those types of statements. Like that's not okay. So, you know, go ahead and make your grand political statement, but those types of comments to individuals have no place in a university uh, classroom and setting. So I'll pause there for your reaction and um, what your thoughts were on this. Yeah, I'm always interested in your thoughts on academic freedom. I always need help with it. So again, I haven't been on a campus in a long time. The premise of academic freedom, see if I get this right. So a professor could say whatever they want, even terrible, offensive speech in all capacities, and that's protected because we don't want mechanisms to remove professors to be used against people that may have important contributions that go against the prevailing wisdom. That's something like that, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so it's, like, it's like being a diplomat, right? A diplomat can drive their car 120 miles an hour backward down the freeway, and that's cool because we don't want, when we send people to other countries, our people to be harassed or those laws be used against them, right? Yeah. So, so something like that. So this person seems terrible. I can see the offense. It's pretty clear. Uh, but yeah. I, I don't think that's controversial that they're terrible. But, you know, there's a process, even though they're, you know, even though the guardrails are very yeah. wide here yeah. and they're very flexible. And so I don't have any problems with an investigation that the university wants to do mm-hmm. and a process that they want to go through in order to determine if this person crossed those very flexible and, and, and lenient lines. Um, and, you know, and I'm, and I'm fine if there's consequences in this case. Right. So I think that it's uh, I, I think it definitely gets to the point where there should be an investigation mm-hmm. and let the process play out. But it, it sounds like, uh, you know, I, I definitely don't think that I would take this person's class. <laughs> no. <laughs> when you go back to law school. You're not going to take yeah. Professor Wax's yeah. class? Okay, good. Nope. You lost a student, Professor Wax. <laughs> All right. We're going to talk about Florida, Rob. Right. All right. Here we go. So Rock and roll. The University of South Florida President Raya Law 
launched a national search for the university's top diversity officer. I think it was last year that she launched that search that would basically help and uh, support in building on the school's strategic plan. The search has since been suspended due to the uncertainty over whether Florida will continue to fund DEI departments at state colleges and universities. Our buddy Ronnie D pushed legislation, as you know, to prohibit state schools from supporting DEI programs. Um, I will say, add here that DEI um, at the University of Southern Florida, South Florida, is one of the top five goals um, of their strategic plan. Yeah, it was stated in the article. I actually went to their website to kind of look at like their guiding principles and their values. It's very heavily aligned to their strategy. I feel awful for Florida. Like I friends that live in Florida. <laughs> And many of them are like, why do I live here? I know that there's smart people in Florida. And I, I know that I actually, I, I'm a blue. I think there's some, there's definitely some. My friends are smart. No, I am. Just, I'm, yeah. Yes. Um, I will say that I really think that they will think of creative ways to push the efforts of DEI forward without call, having to call it DEI, right? Like, mm -hmm. I think call it something like grocery shopping. <laughs> And maybe like you don't have to like you don't have to label something to like get your point across and like have learning and have co constructive conversation around differences. So I feel um, I feel like we can I, I actually think you SF should continue the conversation, but it's just not going to look or feel the same way um, because we're not using the terms like, like diversity, equity, inclusion. And so, yeah, I like that point a lot. Yeah. I like that point a lot. I think that, you know, we talked about the fact that DNI is just another way of saying effective leadership, good management principles, yeah, right? So there's it's just, like embedded there's in so much overlap there. Yeah, so you don't so. have to do it. It's still a little bit annoying. That's no, super in annoying. In terms of like the fact that this is, this is a, this is policy. You know, I, I always want to try to take the, the focus away from the Florida governor, okay. which I, again, I, his name escapes me, but. I do think that he's created a lot through his actions of a lot of uncertainty through the actions that he's taken. Yeah. Right. And so I think that there's going to be a lot of different knock on effects here for every organization in Florida and organization. And so business universities, other organizations, organizations don't like uncertainty, right? Like they don't like not knowing the reason they're actually pulling this position is because they don't know how it's going to be impacted. And so therefore Everyone who's working on this stuff, like you said, is a top priority for the university is kind of in limbo right now. And so, uh, you know, it's a nice job, uh, Florida governor at the university level. Yep. One thing that I would say, since we're talking about universities, there's a lot to unpack here because I think the universities have made themselves a, an easy target for this line of thought, uh -huh. this line of attack that there's too much spending on administrative staff. And I think that that's probably the case in most university systems, right? And so as people see their tuition go up, now you have conflated the issue of bureaucracy with diversity, equity, and inclusion, yeah. and you've left yourself open to that attack. And so, yeah. again, because the formula right now, Nadia, as we just discussed with mm -hmm. regard to uh, Silicon Valley Bank, is take whatever problem exists in society and how can they link diversity, equity, and inclusion to that, pro right. to that problem, right. right? That's the formula. And so... You know, again, I, I hope that they figure it out. I like your solution. I like the fact that you've already jumped to let's figure out a way to 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 not to actually do everything we're going to do and not talk about it. That's where most things are accomplished. Most great things are accomplished in organizations, mm -hmm. but um, it is a little bit annoying as well. Yeah. 
Come on, Florida. Step it up. <laughs> Come on, Florida. Pull that together. <laughs> so that's that's it. Thanks for thanks for taking me, going with me down that trip down uh, memory lane yeah. back to my university days, Nadia. Oh, good. I appreciate yeah, it. Of course. We'll be right back with Rants and Raves. Welcome back to Inclusive Collective. Nadia, it is time. Mm-hmm. You know what time? It's time, it's time to hear. And I know that you have a rant this week. I know that you want you wanted to rant about something. I did want to rant about something. It's like a light rant. It's not like a, you know how your <laughs> rants are like. We're softening. Hard. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> That's not true. No, my rants are pretty legit. Mine, this is a light rant that I, it's more of like, let's be better <laughs> and, you know. But you go, That's oh, great. I go first. Let me go first. Yeah, All right. Yeah. So um, we had the Academy Awards this past week. Did you watch them? I did not. I, I watched almost nothing. Academy oh, Awards. okay. Good well, for they were. An I don't, update for me. Yeah. Well, I don't really. I try, sometimes I watch them. This year I had them on like in the background. So um, the Academy Awards were this past week, were last week, and, you know, they were fun. Jimmy Kimmel did a really great job hosting, and they were seemingly diverse in terms of nominations and awards that were won. Um, I will say that, like, the Asian, South Asian community and the Asian community um, specifically, you know, really showed up um, in winning awards. The Academy Awards this year went down in history for the um, Indian film industry specifically. Um, I have not seen the movie yet. It's called RRR. Um, and there's a song mm. in there called um, Natu Natu. I have not seen it yet. My brother and sister-in-law have raved about it. Um, but they okay. won. Uh, they were nominated and won the best original song. Um, and Natu Natu was the first song from an Indian production to be nominated in the category and, of course, to win. It's also the first Telugu song from a Tollywood production. And so okay. what I'm going to rant about is the fact that there was a performance at the Academy Awards with the song. And um, the performers, the dancers and the choreographers were predominantly not of South Asian descent after the performance. Media outlets were referencing it as a Bollywood production. Um, and so, yeah, like Big Miss, you know, I know we talked to like Mika Cooper Edwards who mentioned this, that like, there, you know, even within the South, South Asian Indian subcontinents, there are very, it's not just Bollywood that's there, right? There's other, there's other industries within film that represent different areas and regions of South Asia. And so just getting the names right is like, we got to, be better at that and improve upon that. Um, so that's my rant. Was the can I ask you real quick? Because I think that one of the issues is when you don't have the right people involved in a production like that yeah. is that you get the aesthetic wrong. You get, you get the you get the art yeah. wrong. How was the was the aesthetic right? So I, I did like I watched it. The aesthetic was inter- again. I haven't seen the movie, but I think it what the movie is based in like nineteen twenty or thirty. So like. And right. so to your, so, you know, the, it was pre-partition, it was pre, it was pre, it was during colonialism. I think that's, again, I haven't seen the movie, but I think, I believe that's where the, the setting is of the movie. And so, yes, there were absolutely some white facing, um, I think there are some white facing characters within the movie, within the song. Um, but I don't know if it was predominantly the case in the movie and, you know, the context of the song. 
What I will say is, mm. though, I was reading an article to like understand this a little bit better, and apparently they um, they weren't sure like a week leading leading up or even a few days prior to the Academy Awards if that song was going to be what was played, and so I think their um, excuse or justification of not having as many South Asian dancers or choreographers was the fact that it was late in the game and trying to source those people was troubling, which sure. to me is like, yeah, and like let's do a better job of finding, like there's organizations out there that have choreographers that are South Asian. There's in the U.S. There's organizations out, and you don't even have to be in the U.S. You can fly people in. So I think that that was a justification and excuse. I think like we got to do a better job of like finding those people, making those connections or networking to like understand where those sure. people are located because those people exist. Nadia, that's a great rant. I love that rant. Thanks. Very well done. Appreciate like that. that one a lot. Very cool. <laughs> and I have a new movie to check out too. So yes. Like really it's cool on movie. Netflix. I'm going to so, check it out too myself. Yep. Oh, amazing. I'll do that. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So I'm going to rave here. And so Nadia, this one's for both of us. Oh. The national, something that got by me, the National Labor Relations Board the NLRB or NLRB, as as we say, uh, issued a recent decision that impacts the use of non-disparagement and confidentiality clauses in employee agreements. The board concluded that non-disparagement and confidentiality clauses infringe on employees' rights under the National Labor Relations Act because they may dissuade protected employee activity. Right. Well, I have no idea You've what any severance, of that right? means. Oh, that's what it You've means. You've gotten severance, right? Yeah, I got it twice. Like, you, have you, did you read the? Did you read the? Did you read the contract <laughs> when you signed the paper? I, so when I got yeah. severance, yeah. they're the non-disparagement clause, right? And uh -huh. it says, "Don't say anything oh. bad about us forever, or we get all the money back." Yeah. Right. And so I looked at this non-disparagement clause, and I asked the lawyer for the company. I was like, "Well, can we make this both ways?" Right. So. So we both agree that we won't say bad things about each Good other. Good for you, yeah. You know, what th you know what they said? What? Screw no, you. they said we could say whatever we want about you forever. Like that's 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 the deal. Oh Do you want gosh. the money or not? So, so Nadia, just I wanted to let you know that you are free to say anything negative about former employers that you want. It's a free country. The floor is yours. Is there anything you would like to say about anyone? Oh, I was not prepared to. for that. <laughs> For the record, I don't want to disparage anyone. I just want to have the right to disparage people. I think that's a, my companies. me too, Rob. Like me too, because right? Yeah, like I want to know that I won't be nothing will happen to me, but I don't necessarily have something to say right now. I mean, I always have something to say about my prior employers, but as of right now, like the fact that I know that I can say something, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. All of our listeners, just go out there on social media and just blast away. Your, your we own, just talked about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah yeah academic freedom all right awesome. rob well that was a great episode um folks that's all for this week thank you for joining us folks rob is hosting a dei metrics measurement and reporting masterclass on may 11th details are at climateforDEI.com. check it out um inclusive collective is a production of refillion media we'd love to hear from you so send us your feedback and inclusive collective at refillion.com you can also find us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. If you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to get in touch with us for consulting, check out me at nodsconsultants.com and rob at conoconsulting.com. Thanks again, Rob. We will be back next week. Be well. Thanks, Nadia.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.